Um, today I am pivoting from the message that I intended to preach in our series Mojo, which I was going to call the final four, and that was going to be a big tribute and shout out to the NCA tournament and March Madness, and that's been canceled, and that message was going to talk about the final four vision steps that we need to take in order to see the vision that God has given us come to pass, and I'll be preaching that in future weeks from the life of Joseph, but instead I want to preach to you a message called the Fab Five for Fighting Fear, which you may also recognize as a tribute to the NCAA tournament and March Madness because of the the uh, Michigan State Wolverines and the tournament back in the day, you know, when they had the five great players all on the same team. But anyway, the real connection between the Fab Five and March is the madness that is going on all around us right now caused by the coronavirus. And the scripture that the Lord led me to is Psalm 91, the Psalm of Shelter the psalm of protection and promise and peace from all pestilence. Isn't the Word of God just so wonderful? The Word of God is so wonderful because you can go to it at any time, no matter what your circumstances are, and you can find something that comforts you and speaks exactly to your situation. And so I want to go to Psalm 91, and as we do, I want you to allow God's Word to wash over you, to wash over your heart, and your mind, and to wash over all of this March madness. And by the way, did you know that the scripture actually talks to us and commands us to wash our hands? You know that, right? James 4, 8 says, wash your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Of course, it's not talking about washing your hands physically, but it's a good thing to do right now. Psalm 91, I'm going to read the whole thing and let it, let it minister to you. It says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him will I trust. Surely He will deliver me from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. Is that He shall cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked, because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come nigh or near your dwelling. For he will give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot, because... He has set his love upon me. Therefore, I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him and I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. And I love this. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Do we believe the word of the Lord? 
Is this just words on paper for us? Or do we believe the word of the Lord? This is our promise. This is our promise for us. This is our promise for our families. This is our promise for our kids. This is our promise for our church. This is our promise from our good, good, heavenly Father who we can have faith in in times of trouble. Do we believe the word of God? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for speaking to us powerfully and poignantly. We thank you for giving us a message of hope in times of crisis. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Let me hear a big shout from you at home. Say, amen, 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 amen. As we come to the psalm, the psalm of shelter, um, from not just some of life's storms, but from all of life's storms, we find out that there are seven specific maladies that are mentioned that we are protected from in the psalm. The shelter from snares or traps. Shelter from pestilence or deadly misfortune. Shelter from terror or sudden death. Shelter from destruction or the cutting off or ruin. Shelter from evil or sin and exceedingly heavy grief. Shelter from plagues or we could say pandemics. Shelter from trouble or adversities and distress. Shelter from all of life's storms. All problems. Does anybody need some some shelter? Amen. What I love about this scripture, though, is it mentions seven. And it's not mentioning mentioning seven to give us an exhaustive list of all the things that God has protected us from in, in so much as it's naming the only seven things that we are protected from. But rather, it's giving us seven because in Bible times, Seven is the number of perfection and completeness. And so what we find as we come here is God is really saying to us that you and I have shelter from everything, not just some things, not just from the seven things, but perfect and complete shelter from everything that comes against us in this world. This is a psalm of protection. Of supernatural protection. And when I, when I think about the protection of the Lord, there are so many personal stories that I can share with you of how God has made His protection real to me. There are a couple that came to my mind that, I, that I've shared before. But years and years ago, we were in our old facility, and it was a Wednesday night, and I wasn't even the lead pastor back then. It was a Wednesday night. I was the assistant pastor, and, and I was coming out of church. And when I came out of church, I mean, it was pouring. It was pouring so bad that you couldn't see your hand in front of your face, let alone see where you were going when you were driving. And so my wife, she had a different car, and she got in the car, and she had like a 10-minute head start. And I got in the car, and as soon as I turned on the ignition, the Holy Spirit said to me, you need to pray for your wife right now. And so you know what I did? I pulled out Psalm 91, and I spoke Psalm 91 over my wife. And sure enough, I'm, I'm trying to kind of catch her, you know, because I'm thinking, what's wrong? What's, what's happening, you know? And I couldn't catch her because she was so far ahead. It only took like 15 minutes to get from the church to our house. But I was going down this road called Payne Road, and it was the road you had to go down to in order to get to where we lived at the time. And, and sure enough, 
all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I had to come to a screeching stop because Lisa was stopped, and in front of her was this big, giant tree that was over the road, and it made the road impassable. And so, of course, I got out of the car, and I said, I said, did you see that? I said, are you okay? She said, yeah, I saw it before. I crashed into it, and I'm perfectly fine. I said, but we, she said, we can't go this way. We've got to turn around and go back. And the reason why I'm firmly convinced that she didn't crash into that tree is because I prayed Psalm 91 over her that day. I remember another time. It was a Saturday morning. My son was about eight years old. The house that we lived in at the time, our master bedroom was above our garage. You could look out the windows of our master bedroom over our driveway, and you could see kind of like, you know, what was going on down there. And we had this access road that ran from the street all the way to my mother-in-law and father-in-law's house who lived behind us. We kind of had like our own end of the block, end of a cul-de-sac that was over there. And I got up, and as soon as I got up, the Holy Spirit said to me, pray for your son right now. He's in danger. And so immediately I pulled out Psalm 91. This is my go-to scripture right here. I pulled out Psalm 91 and I began to speak God's protection and pray God's protection over my son. As soon as I got done, I heard the garage go up. My wife is sitting there next to me or laying there next to me in bed. And I'm looking out and I see we bought my son a go-kart. And I see my son come storming out of the garage in his go-kart. He's like eight years old. Now, we had taken the flag off of the go-kart, you know, the long flag on the back of go-karts that kind of stays up way high because we thought this is just in the way, right? So we took it off. And I'm watching as he's coming out of the garage, and he's headed toward the access road. And here comes my mother-in-law in her minivan, and they are about ready to collide. And she can't see him because he's in a go-kart that's a bit about this low. And she's coming down the access way. And right at the last minute, somehow, some way, she saw him. She slammed on his brakes, and he went zooming by. Do you know why? She didn't hit him. Because God said, pray, Psalm 91, a psalm of protection over my child. And because I was obedient to the Lord and the prompting of the Holy Spirit, God honors his word. And this is a psalm of supernatural protection. Call me crazy. Call me out of touch. Call me uninformed. But I am convinced of God's protection. And I pray that to that end, I'm contagious this weekend. I want that convincing of God's protection to spill all over your heart and all over your mind. And so today what I want to do is I want to build your faith and break your fear over COVID-19. And I want to give you five weapons for fighting fear that I'm calling the Fab Five. Now, let me say this. These five weapons do not mean that you just tuck your head in the sand and you don't exercise wisdom. Because contrary to popular belief, faith and wisdom are not mutually exclusive, but rather they work together in concert with one another. Listen to what the book of James says about faith and wisdom together. James chapter 1 verse number 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete Lacking nothing. Now, we just talked about faith. Now, watch this. If any of you lacks wisdom, we just got done talking about faith. Now we're talking about wisdom. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally and without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith 
Faith, wisdom, now we're back to faith again. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man and unstable in all of his ways. Notice that faith and wisdom are not working against one another. They are working in concert with one another. Matter of fact, staying in faith requires walking in wisdom. That's a, that's a tweetable right there. Matter of fact, I will write that down. Hashtag Pastor Frank Santor. Staying in faith requires walking in wisdom. Jesus had all power. Jesus had all protection. Jesus had a perfect relationship with the Father. And yet when he was tempted in the wilderness, here's what the enemy said to him. He said, if you are the Son of God... Throw yourself down, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you, and in your hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. And Jesus didn't go, oh yeah, right, let me just jump. Here's what Jesus said, verse number 7. He said, it is also written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. What was happening there? Faith and wisdom working in concert with one another. You can only control what you can control, but you should control what you can control. I like that. That was good. That wasn't even in my notes. You can only control what you can control, and you should control what you can control, but God can control what you can't control. I added a little bit on that one. You caught that? You follow me right there? Faith and wisdom work in concert with one another. They are not mutually exclusive. We as a church are walking in wisdom. We have put measures in place. We have sent out an email, what you could do as a family to walk in wisdom. But then we said, but there's some things that only God can do. And you know what? We believe God to do what only God can do. Stepping in faith or staying in faith requires walking in wisdom. So that is the backdrop to the five fabs that I'm going to give you. Five fabs or the fab five for fighting fear. Number one in our text is dwelling power. Dwelling power. Notice again our text, Psalm 91. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Dwelling power speaks of our divine position in Christ, which carries with it divine protection. Let me say it again. Dwelling power speaks of our divine position in Christ, which carries with it divine protection. Let me break that down because sometimes we're a little confused about this verse. We, we think that dwelling has to do with our performance. Notice what I said. Dwelling power speaks of our divine position, not performance, our divine position in Christ, which carries with it divine protection. In other words, this does not mean those who spend hours and hours in prayer shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. This does not say those who make it through their Bible in one year, 365 days, and never miss, will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. It doesn't say those who tarry and wait on God will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Those who get their praise on in church while everybody else is staring around, they get the protection of the Lord. Those who go to church more than 1.7 times a month get the protection of God. It doesn't, it doesn't say that. Those who can quote more than 100 scriptures get the protection. It doesn't say any of that. All those things are vital 
and extraordinarily important to our walk with the Lord. Do spend time in prayer. Do study to show yourself approved. Do uh, work in service to God. Do give faithfully, especially in times of crisis. Let me just call a time out. I wasn't planning on saying this, but I remember my father lost his job once. This is years ago. And he was kind of just starting to evolve in his Christianity. And by the way, there is an evolution in our Christianity, right? We expect people to, you know, be straight up walking with the Lord in every aspect the day after they get saved. There should be an evolution in our Christianity. I don't know what just happened to my mic, but it just went to a whole nother level. Um, anyway. And so there is an evolution in our, in our walk with the Lord. And so he, he was kind of just coming along, and he was just starting to tithe, and he lost his job, and, and he knew, you know, I was a pastor. And, and so he came to me, and he said, he said uh, I, I think I'm probably going to not be able to tithe right now. And here's what I told him. He wasn't coming to my church or our church. I said, Dad, don't you dare stop tithing right now. I said, if you stop tithing right now, you're going to shut off what God wants to put you into. You're going to shut off the season that God wants to move you into. I know you lost your job, and I know it's going to be difficult, but trust me, put God first right now. Within just a few months, he opened up his own practice, and his income never went down. Because he trusted the Lord. Do those kind of things. Those things are important. Do worship God and, and do spend time in daily devotion and do be still and, and do be committed to church. Be all in and be all sold out and be immutable in your faith. Do all those things because you love the Lord, not because you are performing for His protection. Because this text is not a performance issue. It is a position in Christ issue. This is not just for all of the high performance performers. This word dwell is not a performance term. It's a position term. To quote my friend PJW from Epic Church. I was talking to him the other day about this. He said Psalm 91 is not a rabbit's foot or a lucky charm, but it is magically delicious. I told him, I said, I'm stealing that. And I told him, I'm not even going to give you credit for it. He said, I know I won't hold my breath. Look at that. I gave him props anyway right there. It's, it's a wonderful verse. It's a great promise, but it's not a lucky charm. Look, abiding is a position that is ours in Christ that we receive by grace as a gift. Let me show you this. Colossians chapter 3, verse 3. Here's what it says. You're going to see it on the screen in just a second if you're not already. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When you gave your life to Christ, you were hidden in Christ. 1 John chapter 4, verse 15. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. This is not a performance verse. This is a position in Christ verse. If you've given your life to Jesus, if Jesus is the Lord of your life, if you've confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, yes, I'm talking to all of you who are watching at home as well. If you've done that every time God looks at you, He sees Jesus. 
no strings, no rituals, no regulations, plain and simple. If you have confessed Christ, you are saved, delivered, forgiven, and protected. You dwell in the shelter of the Almighty, and God's covering is over your life. And I I hate to say but, but there's really only one thing that prevents you from experiencing the covering of God. And that's that you got to believe it. You, you've you've got to know it's available to you. You've got to know it's yours. You've got to know that this is your promised position in Christ. You've got to have faith in it. You've got to be convinced of it. You've got to know your Heavenly Father that well. When I think about that, this is a place, this is a dwelling place, is a position and not a performance. You know what I thought of? I thought of the three little pigs. Anybody remember the three little pigs? There you go. Three pigs. They each built a house. One of straw, one of sticks, one of bricks. Right? And there was this big bad wolf, and they built this house to get the shelter from the big bad wolf. And, and the one little pig, he built this house of straw. And, and, and when the big bad wolf came by, he said, I'm going to huff, and I'm going to puff, and I'm going to blow your house down, and I'm going to eat you. And what did the little pig say? He said, not by the hair of, I forget whether it was his chinny-chin-chin or my chinny-chin-chin. I forget which one it was. Which one was it? My chinny-chin-chin. And sure enough, the big bad wolf, he huffed and he puffed. He blew that house down and he ate that little pig. And then he went over to the next house, which was a little bit stronger, but not quite strong enough. The house made out of straw. And the little pig inside there heard the big bad wolf. And the big bad wolf said, I'm going to huff and I'm going to puff and I'm going to blow your house down. He huffed, he puffed, he blew the house down. He ate the little pig, even though he said, not by the hair of my chin, chin, chin. Then he went to the third place, pig's house. And that pig was dwelling. He was abiding in the right place. And his house was made of bricks. And so the big bad wolf came along and he said, I'm going to huff and I'm going to puff and I'm going to blow your house down. And that little pig said, not by the hair of my chinny, chin, chin. And he huffed and he puffed and he couldn't blow the house down. He tired himself out. So the big bad wolf got smart. He said, I know what I'm going to try to do. So I'm going to go up to the chimney. And I'm going to come down to the chimney and sneak up on him. And then, then I'm going to eat him. The pestilence that flies by night. It's going to sneak up on you. Get you. While you're sleeping. He came down the chimney. But the little pig was smart. The little pig put a kettle of boiling water at the bottom of the chimney. And that big bad wolf came through the chimney and fell into that pot of boiling water. And that was the end of the big bad wolf. Do you realize what kind of shelter you have been positionally placed in when you made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? It is the shelter of the Most High. It is the shadow of the Almighty. It is a refuge. It is a fortress. It is a place of safety from every trap, every deadly disease, every terror, every evil, every plague, every pestilence, every problem. You don't have to perform to to get God's protection, you abide, you dwell in the secret place of the Most High God dwelling power. You got to know it, though. You got to know it. And there are some Christians that don't know it. Some Christians will be like, ah, you're just being foolish now. Psalm 91 works. Pray it, pray it, 
Believe it. Dwelling power. Second type of power I want to share with you is what I call saying power. There's dwelling power, then there's saying power. Notice what verse 2 says. It says, I will say of the Lord. I will say of the Lord. I will say of the Lord. He is my refuge and my fortress. My God and Him will I trust. When fear tries to huff and puff and blow your faith down, watch what you say. When you say stuff that feeds your fear, you destroy your faith. Conversely, when you say stuff that feeds your faith, you destroy your fear. So what kind of stuff should you be saying right now? Not, well, it's just a matter of time before everybody gets it. Well, it's just a matter of time before I'm exposed to it. Nothing we can do about it. Not that kind of stuff. When you say that kind of stuff, you are feeding your fear and you are eroding or destroying your faith. What you should be saying is verse 2, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge. He is my fortress. My God in Him will I trust. Verse 3, Surely He will deliver me from the snare of the fowler and from the noise and pestilence. Verse number 4, He shall cover me with His feathers. Under His wings I will will take refuge. His truth will be my shield and buckler. What should you be saying? Verse 7, a thousand may fall at one side and ten thousand at my right hand, but it will not come nigh my dwelling. Why? Because I've made the Lord my refuge, even the most high my dwelling place. What are you saying? Saying power. When I thought about this, and I almost called this, this, this teaching nursery rhyme. Uh, or kids' stories. Because when I thought about this, I thought about the little engine that could. How did he get power in his engine? He said, he said, he said, I think I can. But he said it. He didn't just think, I think I can. 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 And what happened is he got power in his engine. How do you power up your faith engine and power down your fear engine? You say the right thing as you're going through any particular crisis. Matter of fact, did you know that there are 365 dare nots in the Bible or fear nots? 365. Interesting. You know what the message is? Don't you dare live one day of your life in fear. That's the message. Why? I mean, is that just too coincidental? You know, I, I don't know about you, but I'm not into like coincidences that happen like that. You know, just real 365. Don't you dare live one day in fear. And did you know that fear, as in 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given us a spirit of fear. By the way, did you know fear is a spiritual force? There's sometimes I just pause because I hear something and I'm kind of contemplating, do I say it or do I not say it? Coronavirus is real. It's not like, you know, some type of inside, whatever, whatever, whatever. It's real. It's out there. Now, the hysteria around it, I think it's being pumped by the spirit of fear mongers. And I'm not going to name who they are. But you can figure that out. Fear is a spirit. 
It's a spiritual force. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind, a sound mind, a saved mind. I believe the word is sofrito or sofreno in, in the Greek, a saved mind, a mind that is protected with the truth of the helmet of salvation, a sound mind. Do you know that fear comes from the Greek word D-E-I-L-O-S, delos. You know what it means? Faithless. It, that is the exact Biblical declaration of fear. It means faithless. Fear is a spiritual force that is sent to erode the faith of God's people because without faith, we cannot access any of the promises that belong to us. And so the enemy knows that we are positioned in Christ and there is nothing that can get us out of that position in Christ. But if we won't believe what our position calls for or our position has right to because it's eroded through fear, he could get it from uh, us experiencing Stop it from us experiencing it. I will say of the Lord, power up your faith engine and live fearless by what you say. Saying power. Number three, truthing power. Truthing power. Look at somebody go, Pastor, truthing is not a word. Thank you very much. I, I didn't know that. <laughs> we live in a day and age where people make up words. Adulting. It's a word. It's not really a word, but it's a word. And everybody's talking about, are you adulting? And, and adulting means, are you growing up? Are you, are you becoming responsible? Are you growing out of your kid years? Are you, are you moving out of your parents' basement? Are you, are, you, are you now entering into the real life of taking care of yourself? You're adulting at that point. So if adulting could be a word, I said truthing could be a word. Truthing, here's my definition of it. I coined this word, by the way. Hashtag Pastor Frank Santor. Don't rip that off without giving me credit, okay? Notice I gave the man props for his thing. Give me props for my thing, okay? Truthing. It's where I choose to base my outlook not on the facts of life, but on the truth of Scripture. Let me say it again. Truthing is when I choose to base my outlook not on the facts of life, but the truth of Scripture. Anybody remember the facts of life from back in the day? There are facts in life. It's a fact that there is a coronavirus. It's a fact that it is a pandemic. That, that's, those, are, those are facts. It is also a fact that there is no known cure for the coronavirus right now. But here's the thing about facts. Facts are subject to change. Because in a year from now, we all believe and we all pray and we all hope that there is going to be a cure. And so what is fact today may not be fact one year from now. But you know what will be the same one year from now as it is today? And that's truth. That is the truth of God's word. That even though there is no known cure for coronavirus, Jesus Christ is still our healer. And by his stripes, we are healed. I'm truthing. Here's what I'm doing. I'm choosing to base my life and my outlook not on the facts of life, but on the truth of Scripture. By the way, it says, His truth, verse number four, shall be your shield and buckler. 
And shield and buckler seems like talking about two separate things, but it's the same word in the original language. It's actually referring to a shield that a soldier would take into battle, but not just any shield. When we think of a shield, we think of a shield like about yay big. A shield and buckler, that kind of shield, was a shield the size of a car door. And so the shield covered the soldier from head to toe. And why is that important? Because it says his truth will be your shield and your buckler so that, verse number 5, it will protect you from the arrows that fly at you. In other words, you are covered from head to toe. The shield was something that protected against the schemes of the enemy. And when we wield the scripture as a shield, we are truthing and therefore we are protecting ourselves from head to toe so that all the stuff that is flying around can't touch this. (laughs) Truthing. Truthing. What are you doing? See, the next verse says, verse number five, the end part says, and because of this, I will not be afraid. I will not be afraid. Fact, no known virus for COVID-19. Truth, Psalm 100, verse number one through verse number three. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all my iniquities and healeth all my diseases. Fact, the stock market has gone down significantly. Maybe even crashed. Truth, Philippians chapter 4, verse number 9. And my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Fact, COVID-19 is causing worldwide trouble. Truth, God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in time of trouble. Therefore, I will not fear. I'm truthing. You can keep tripping, but I'm going to truth all the way to triumph. Are you going to join in or are you going to stay tripping? We're going to use wisdom, but we're going to use truth. The fourth of the fab five, loving power. Loving power. Verse number 14 says, because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. This verse, when you read it, it's a little confusing because you don't know whether it's coming from the point of view of, is this talking about me loving God or God loving me? And, and, I, and I, I think to be fair to the scripture, it's talking about us loving God. And I think to be fair to the text, it's saying that because we love God, that he will deliver us. But, but I want to flip it. And I'm not doing violence to the text because when I flip it, and I flip it from us loving God to him loving us, what I've done is I've taken us from an Old Testament viewpoint to a New Testament viewpoint. I've been true to the covenant that you and I live under because that's where the balance of our life is. See, see, when you read the message of the New Testament, it's not because we loved him, but it's because he loved us. 1 John 4.10, in this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. In other words, he didn't do it 
because we loved him, he did it because he loved us. He didn't die because we loved him. He died because he loved us. He didn't take our place because we loved him. He took our place because he loved us. He didn't leave heaven because we loved him. He left heaven because he loved us. He didn't keep his mouth shut when he was being crucified instead of calling on angels because we loved him. He did it because he loved us. He didn't give his life because we loved him. He gave his life because he loved us. It's his love for us, not our love for him. Here's real love, real love. Real love means I don't do it because somebody loves me. Real love means I do it because I love them. And the example, the best example I can think of is my example of my children. I don't do what I do for my kids because they love me. Their, their love for me has zero to do with what I do for them. Matter of fact, there have been times when my kids have said, I hate you. But even when they said, I hate you, I love them even more. When they said that, something struck my heart that didn't make me want to run away from them, but rather pulled me toward them. My love for them is unconditional. It's undeserved. And to some extent, it's even unexplained. Because I can't explain the, how it feels to love a child to somebody who has no child. But when they have their own child, they will understand. When they hold that baby for the first time, when they tuck that baby in at bed, when they feed that baby their bottle, when they change that baby's diaper, when they watch that baby grow, when they cheer that baby at games, when they clap loud at that baby's award ceremony and graduation and recitals, then they understand my love for them is not based on their love for me. And if that's me, Matthew 7, 11, how much more show your Father in heaven how much more? So I want to flip it. Because he has set his love on me. He will protect me. When my faith rests in his loving power, that he loves me even when I lie and cheat and even when I steal and run and disobey and even when I hate and disgrace him, that it, when my faith rests in his loving power, that he loves me enough to look over the hill for me to come home even when I have disgraced him. When, it, when my faith rests in his loving power, it, it, it works. And my fear becomes weak. Galatians chapter 5 verse number 6 says, For when we are in union with Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor the lack of it makes any difference at all. Can I break it down? What you do or don't do makes no difference at all. What matters is faith that works through love. See, y'all thought that your faith worked by the way that you loved other people. Yes, I understand that's the truth. It's this kind of level truth. It's down here. What that's talking about is your faith works when it's rooted in His love for you. 
that you know that he know that you know that you know that you know that you know that his love is fierce that his love is like a hurricane he is jealous for me loves like a hurricane I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy when all of a sudden I am unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory and I realize just how beautiful you are and how great your affections are for me oh how he loves me oh how he loves me how he loves me so so we are his portion he is our prize drawn to redemption by the grace in his eyes if grace is an ocean we're all sinking so heaven meets earth like a sloppy wet kiss and my heart turns violently inside of my chest I don't have time to maintain these regrets when I think about the way that he loves me loving loving is all around you how much God loves you when you do you can't fear but let me close with this the fifth one of the fab five naming power verse 14b I will protect him for he has acknowledged my name in the text as we pointed out there are seven maladies mentioned that are that we are protected from by virtue of our position snares pestilence terror, destruction, evil, plague, trouble. A total of seven representing every kind of malady, adversity, infirmity that the world or the enemy can throw at us. But there is another number in the psalm. It's the number five. God's favorite number. Because five is the number of grace. Fed 5,000. Five crackers. Two small fish. Grace. Jesus. His name. Five letters. Grace. Personified. His favorite number. Five names for God in the text. The Most High. Translated Supreme or Elyon. The Almighty, the All-Sufficient One. Translated El Shaddai. The Lord, too sacred of a name to say. They wrote it. The great I am, Adonai, God, the supreme creator, Elohim, salvation, Yahshua, Yeshua. Say, Pastor, salvation is not in the text. It's not mentioned once, but it is. Because Yeshua means deliverance and aid and victory and prosperity and health and welfare. Yahshua means Jesus. And when you look in the earthly world and everything that's around us right now, seven is greater than five in their opinion. And that's why they, even though the beer pub down the road was packed a half an hour ago, wall to wall, with people on top of one another, drinking beer and not afraid of the coronavirus. But they've told the church not to assemble. The mall is not closed. And yet it has more than 250 people in it. You see, what's happening is they think that seven is greater than five. But God does math differently than the way that the world does math. In God's eyes, five, the number of grace, is greater than seven, the number of 
completion and perfection of everything the world can throw at you. Matter of fact, in this text, seven refers to all of the tragedies that the world can throw at you. It refers to the greatest that sin can do. And what God is trying to let us know is no matter what sin is, that grace is greater. Because the scripture says in Romans 5.20, but where sin abounded, grace abounded even more. All that life throws at us, every sin, every snare, every pandemic, every terror, every destruction, every evil, every plague, every trouble, is no match for the Most High. It's no match for for the almighty and all sufficient one it's no match for the great I am it's no match for the creator it's no match for Jesus his name Jesus is above every other name guess what he said he said use my name he said in my name y'all cast out devils in my name you'll speak with new tongues in my name if you touch any deadly thing it will not hurt you in my name you'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover I almost feel bad not touching somebody who's sick because the Bible said if we touch them they'll be healed 